and welcome to the 495. I'm your host, Doug Sparks, editor-in-chief of Merrimack Valley Magazine. Lou, I have a weird question for you. Okay, great. Do you like turkey? Do you I enjoy do. the taste of turkey? I do. I hated turkey when I was growing up. And you know why I hated turkey? Why? Because my mother, who was a decent cook, mm-hmm. would make this big deal about Thanksgiving dinner. And it was always this dry... Like, it was it was this thing that I felt like I was I somehow ought to enjoy. <laughs> That I didn't enjoy because it was this dry, tasteless bird, and I didn't really like the gravy, and the, it just it never worked for me. I always dreaded Thanksgiving, which is supposed to be the holiday that everybody likes. It's funny because I was telling a similar story about a different dish the other day. I grew up with an Irish-Italian family. My mother was Irish, yeah, and she would try to cook calamari on Christmas Eve, mm. and it always came out with this watery sauce that took all the breading off the calamari, and the calamari was bare, yeah, yeah. and you could basically flip it like a rubber band across the room. <laughs> I was in my 30s before I found out what calamari was really supposed yeah, to yeah. take like. And I said, hey, I like this because I hated it as a kid. Sure. I, and now ultimately I started, I like cooking. I started yeah. cooking myself and I, I smoked the turkey. I'm not doing it this year because of, of COVID. Um, Were you it, ever, you strike me, I can't decide whether you strike me as the guy or not. Did you ever uh, hot oil a turkey? No, I, ne- I never did that. I'm, I'm intrigued by it. I just, yeah. you know, I think I would have... When that was at its peak, I was probably in New York City. I was probably Deep living fried, in apartments, I yeah. and I was and yeah. I knew the dangers and the risks of doing that. Ultimately, I got a smoker, and and I, you know, sort of enjoyed doing that. I'm not doing it this year because I know that the restaurant industry is struggling yep. in the face of COVID. So I ordered food from uh, from Cobblestones. I'm going to go pick up my uh, my Thanksgiving dinner later today from Cobblestones yeah. and Mall. Turkey's a staple. I, that's how I keep my girlish figure. It's one of, <laughs> turkey and chicken, and you know, it's what I eat. Well, we're talking turkey today. Our guest today is executive chef at Gibbet Hill. It's Brendan Pelly. You may know him from Hell's Kitchen, Beat Bobby Flay, uh, WGBH Food Fight, a number of reality shows. Uh, and Brendan, I must say, uh, you're 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 zooming in from Gibbet Hill right now, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm at the. But you somehow hit the lighting. It's like I'm looking at a Vermeer <laughs> painting or something, because normally the lighting looks off. And this is this is a Dutch master. Ah. You can. You can see the beautiful hill up there. So. <laughs> Look at that production value. <laughs> hey, I'm up I, in our, uh, I'm in the silo room, one of the one of the small dining rooms we built in the old silo here. Yeah. So, uh, hey, what was my mom doing wrong with turkey? Why was it always so dry? Uh, it sounds like your mom was doing the same thing as pretty much everyone else, which is roasting a whole turkey, and it's such a big bird. And it has the legs and the breast, two completely different types of meat that have two totally different cooking times and temperatures that they do better with. So by the time you cook, you know, get your thighs cooked all the way through to the bone, your breast is completely dried out. Um, and it's just so big. It's just so big that you need to you need to brine a bird to, to really get some flavor, some moisture, some salt in there. Um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of little tips and tricks that you can you can work with with turkey to make it not so terrible, not so boring. But it sounds like you know smoking, smoking is really cool. That's a really great technique. Um, my brother is one of those guys that does the deep fried turkey, which is awesome. I haven't done it myself, but he's got the big setup outside with the uh, the big butane burner and propane burner and a giant pot filled with boiling oil um that comes out great um but what i'm doing this year at home i mean i'm gonna be here at the restaurant it's a huge day for us um 
even with COVID uh, this year. We have socially distanced dining in the restaurant and next door at the barn, which is usually our event space. And then um, we're doing a ton of takeout. We did pre-order um, pre-made Thanksgiving meals, which people are starting to pick up today. Um, but this year in the restaurant, the way we're preparing our turkey is what I am doing at home, which is separating the breast from the legs. Um, we brine the breast for about 48 hours, and then we slow roast it and then slice it. Um, we cook the legs for a long time in a low oven in some of the brine as like a braising liquid. Um, so the legs are just kind of falling apart off the bone and we just end up picking all that dark meat right off the bone and, and um, serving it underneath the sliced turkey breast. And then um, all of the bones from, from carving the bird, like taking the breast and the legs off, you're left with the carcass. So you have all these bones and you have the wings. Uh, we roast all that, make turkey stock, and then make a giant batch of gravy, which for us means about like, you know, 50 to 75 gallons of gravy that we're making here. So it's a lot. Sure. What else is on the menu for tomorrow? Um, we have a, we have an a la carte menu here. So the, you know, the traditional turkey dinner is one entree that people can choose, but we're doing a three course menu. So we have a number of appetizers, um, butternut squash soup, a few seasonal salads, uh, duck confit, uh, braised short rib, um, and then a few other things. And then in the entree portion, you can go with the, the turkey dinner or, we have um, uh, steaks coming off the grill. Um, we have some, you know, dry aged steak. We have um, some cod. We have uh, scallops. Um, so local, local New England seafood. Um, we're still serving produce from our farm, uh, even this late in the game. We still have uh, turnips, beets, parsnips, um, rutabaga, radishes sweet potatoes, leeks, kale. Yeah. Uh, we sell stuff coming off the farm and things that are cellaring nicely. Yeah, so, so for people who don't know Gibbet Hill, um, haven't been down to Groton to check it out, I'm sure, you know, most local foodies have been there, but not everybody. So what is Gibbet Hill and, and what is this farm you're talking about? Um, so we're a, we're a family-owned restaurant. Um, the restaurant's been here for... Um, I want to say like 16 years now, uh, the Weber family owns it. They're local to Groton and, um, they, they purchased the, the land, uh, like Gibbet Hill in the background here, as well as a few hundred acres beyond this to preserve that land. Uh, so it wouldn't get developed. Um, part of the deal when they purchased that land for, um, for preserving the land was that they would retain a small, Mount land to start a family business on and that's what turned into um gibbet hill grill and and the barn at gibbet hill next door which is our wedding and function space um as well as the restaurant and the function space we also have a two and a half acre organic farm on property and uh, the farmers live here on property they grow all of the produce for our restaurant as well as our sister restaurants and our um our catering operation. So we also own um, Fireside Catering, 
um, the Bancroft in Burlington. Um, we just uh, Scarlet Oak Tavern down in Hingham. And um, this past year, our newest project was uh, Great Marsh Brewing, which is up in Essex. Um, so the farm here is providing all of those restaurants and the catering division with all of um, their produce, as well as we're raising pigs and goats, and, or uh, excuse me, lambs. And um, it's getting bigger every year. And, um, you know, it's... It's just like a dream as a chef to work in a place like this where you're on a working farm every day and coming in and instead of, you know, instead of thinking about your menu, like saying, hey, what do I want to put on my menu? You're coming into work and you're handed, you know, the products that are going to define the menu for you. So it's a it's a little different experience. It requires a little bit more thinking on your feet, but but it's just it's just awesome to to have all this like gorgeous stuff to work with on a daily basis whose vision was that to to make the restaurant like this as opposed to a more traditional restaurant does that come from the 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 weber family yeah it's all the webers um the you know steve weber is the the patriarch of the family um he was the he was the original um you know the idea of of purchasing the land um you know that was all him and then his kids are running the day-to-day in in the restaurant um jed josh and kate as well as their spouses too um they're all hands-on they're in the building every day i mean especially a year like this uh i can't tell you how many times i've seen a weber working the dish station this year like during the shutdown just trying to keep takeout going um and trying to keep the community you know fed with with take food such a, a wild year so um it's really nice to work in a family-owned restaurant where the family is so involved in the day-to-day operation um i think jed is is really passionate about farm to table dining and uh he's uh he's spearheaded a lot of the the farm operation side um in conjunction with the with the farmers that that work on property yeah. So. yeah, you know, it seems like a, a great fit for you. I mean, even before you were working um, here, I knew you as a forager, as a fellow mushroom hunter mm-hmm. who was out on the, you know, out looking around the uh, the woods on mm-hmm. the weekend. And that, you know, in a sense, it's a say, it's a similar sensibility, right? Is yeah, sure. going out and finding things and, and kind of, uh, you know, thinking of menu items with your feet and your hands. And it's a completely different relationship than stuff just coming in in boxes, uh, and in ice, I would imagine. Yeah, it's really great. I mean, much like getting out in the woods and where you're getting in touch with, you know, the the whole environment. And, um, you know, you might find, you might, um, you know, some trout lily and some morel mushrooms and see some, some trout in a brook nearby. Um, and that will inspire a dish. You know, the same thing happens here where I come to work and before I come into the kitchen, I can take a walk around the farm. I can see what's popping up at any given time, um, see what things are starting to grow, what things are blossoming, what things are going to seed and letting that inform, you know, the creative process. Sure. So I'm going to ask you a question that I think would be fairly common if if you were a, a woman, uh, because I know that you happen to be a dad. And you have young kids. 
and you're doing a lot. How do you find work-life balance? What's that like having to have young kids and everything that entails while also doing these amazing things at the restaurant? Um, I mean, you know, that's tough. It's, it's tough. I think that, um, I think this industry is just notoriously difficult for, for finding any sort of balance. Um, I think that where I am now is probably the best amount of work-life balance I've had career-wise while operating a full-service restaurant. Hmm. I think it comes back to working for a company that is family-owned and it's by other people who have families. Um, you know, that's important. Um, I think they understand and they put a lot of value in employees that that do have families. I mean, I want to provide for my family. I want to stay employed. I want to do a good job um, because that's good for my family. And they know that um, working their employees to the bone, having you know chefs that work 100 hours a week and don't see their family is not good for their chefs. It's not good for morale. It's not good for uh, your physical or mental well-being. And Oh, may have frozen up there a little bit. We'll give him a second frozen, to come back. We will give him a second. Yeah. Um, and we, we come back, we're, we're going to hit him with the reality TV show questions, if we can get him. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear me. French. There we oh. go. He's coming back. Yep. Hey, uh, we just we lost you for just a second. Hey, let's uh, let's get into the reality TV show, because I'm sure people are, are uh, reality TV show past, because I'm sure people are going to want to know about that. Uh, sure. We're, we're all positive here. So out of all the people you worked with, these kind of famous, you know, celebrity chefs, uh, did you find anyone who was particularly inspirational or who surprised you in any way? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Gordon Ramsay. Hmm. Um, that guy is so great. And um, he comes across his persona on the Hell's Kitchen TV show is, is that he's, you know, yelling and berating and, and all that. A lot of that is for show. Um, a lot of it is his style managing his kitchen, which is like the old French style way of running a kitchen, like a drill instructor. Um, but really, when the when the cameras are off, um, that guy is that level of intensity at all times that he's he's always turned up to eleven. Um, he is fully engaged in everything that's happening in the restaurant. He's passionate. Um, he's hilarious and, uh, a really, really great guy to be around. Um, I would say that experience was, uh, was just surreal too. Uh, he's one of those people who's, you know, I've met a lot of famous people working in restaurants, but he's one of those people that when you do meet them and you actually spend time with them, they just seem larger than life. Um, he's that kind of commanding presence. Sure. Uh, it seems a lot of people who go through that reality TV show, experience have mixed feelings about it where do you stand now are you willing to jump back if opportunities present themselves are you done with it where are you at no i'm in the mixed feelings department i mean at the same time it's still it's reality tv is is made for entertainment so you know people not everyone can win um some people's feelings are going to get hurt uh, you know in the name of ratings um it depends i mean i know that it was good for me for my career to get a little exposure on TV. I don't really need that right now. I might do it for fun. 
um, if the right show came along or if uh, someone wanted me to judge something or it just sounded like a really fun experience. Um, but it's not the top of my list of things I want to do with my free time right now. Sure. Uh, what about other avenues of expression like writing? Have you ever thought about writing a cookbook or writing, you know, some something about your experiences in the food industry? Yeah, I've thought about it. Um, I'm not the best writer. Uh, you know, it's been a while since I've since I've written anything, but I do compile recipes and I take notes about where I'm at in my career when I'm when I'm, uh, you know, maybe writing a certain menu. Um, so maybe someday, maybe sure. someday I'll compile that into something meaningful. But but really, it's just stacks and stacks of old recipes right now that are collecting dust. Yeah. Uh, when you're not um, when you're not at the restaurant, when you're not at Jibbit Hill, where do you like to eat? Oh, geez. Um, Bit of again. issue there again. We'll, we'll have to go over to his Instagram bowl of tripe <laughs> and uh, and check out some other places. Oh, is he coming back? He is back. We lost you for another second. Sorry, bad bad yeah. Wi-Fi. It happens. Uh, I think in the Boston area, I love the uh, I love uh, all of Jamie Bissonette and uh, and uh, Ken Oranger's restaurants, Copa, Toro, Uni. Um, uh, I love. Uh, Anna Sorton, um, her restaurant Oleana is one of my go-tos, hmm. and uh, Sofra. Um, and then I love getting up to Portland, Maine. Um, I love going to New York City. I love going to Montreal. Um, I love traveling and eating. And, and uh, I love going into Lowell and going to some of the, um, the, the small Cambodian restaurants, um, you know, Thai restaurants, Vietnamese restaurants. Um, I, I eat anything that's good. Sure. <laughs> really. Are there any food trends that particularly excite you that you're seeing now? Uh, or is this even a trend year? I mean, it's such a strange time that it's like, I, I think the discussions around food trends two years ago, would, uh, some of them might seem almost kind of silly right now because we have, we have other matters. That are that are more pressing than uh, molecular gastronomy or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. The trend right now is survival, uh, <laughs> and and trying to support each other, and um, just trying to figure out how we can drive sales enough to not bleed money and to stay alive. Um, we're trying to walk the line between public safety and keeping the businesses open and business owners right now aren't really thinking about making money they're trying to mitigate losses and keep their employees paid um and it's really difficult and even a restaurant of this size um that is a well-loved restaurant and has you know we have a clientele that is built in at this point and a community to serve. Um, it's, it's really tough. And, um, you know, this has been a wild year. I, I hope I never see anything else like this in my career. Um, and I hope that, I hope that people will, if they don't feel comfortable going out, I totally understand that. But I do hope, like you said, you're you're going to support cobblestones this holiday. That's great. 
um, you know, Scott's a really great guy and he's, he's trying to, he's doing the same thing as all of us. He's trying to do the best he can with what we're dealing with. Um, so I do recommend, you know, getting takeout, um, trying to support restaurants any way you can. Um, you know, it's not about the restaurant owners. It's about all the people that work in these restaurants. Uh, we had over a hundred employees furloughed here during the, um, you know, the main part of the shutdown. And, um, we did what we could. We collected any tips that we got from takeout. Um, we put into a pool and cut checks for all the people that were furloughed. Um, you know, we're all just in survival mode. So yeah, it's the, the trends, the trends aren't really happening. The chefs aren't out doing the PR circuit right now. Um, it's just like not a thing. <laughs> Everyone's just trying to get by. Sure. Uh, yeah, it's a wild, it's a wild year. Yeah, yeah. So something that uh, I know people, some people, are going to be thinking about tomorrow and this week. That that's also something I wanted to to raise with you is is fitness, because I follow mm-hmm. you on Instagram, Bowl of Tripe, and I know you run half marathons, and I know you have uh, a, a recent interest in kickboxing and Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and I wanted to ask you how this fits into this whole picture. Do you need to work out a lot? because of the nature of your work, whether from stress or caloric intake? And, and where does that interest come from? Yeah, both. Um, I kind of got into taking care of myself around like the the height of the stressfulness of my career, where things were starting to take off. I was really starting to build my career and I was working my tail off to to make a name for myself. And I was working those crazy hours. Like I was, you know, doing a hundred hours a week. Um, and I was stress eating. Um, the only joy I was getting out of life, but when I wasn't around my family was like literally eating and, um, I was packing on the pounds and totally stressed out, not sleeping enough, drinking too much coffee. And I was like having panic attacks at the restaurant. Yeah. Um, so, um, I started running slowly at first, um, you know, jogging and then running turned into weightlifting. Um, I started to lose some of the weight. I started to feel better, um, started to get a little balance in, um, the, you know, work home life balance. And, um, it's taken off from there. I mean, I think I'm a different person than I used to be now with, uh, you know, I'm on a day off now, instead of going to a restaurant, and crushing, you know, seven courses of fatty food. Um, I might go for a jog in the morning, do a kickboxing session in the afternoon, and then, you know, do a yoga session at night with my wife. Hmm. Like, and um, she's been a big part of my health journey too. She's been really supportive in, um, in exercising and fitness and meditation, really doing whatever we can to try to stay healthy and stay sane. And, um, we both, when the first shutdown happened, we we used to go to the gym together a lot. Uh, the first thing we did was build a home gym in our basement um, just so we could, you know, hold on to that. Like, we really need to exercise to to stay grounded and, and stay sane and stay healthy. Yeah. Uh, uh, this summer, you and I, we... we went foraging a little bit. We didn't really find anything, but we got to spend some time in the woods together. And you said something interesting that I wanted to, to um, 
to ask you about because we were talking about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and kickboxing, and you've been you've been going to uh, Mass BJJ down in Acton. It's a Jiu-Jitsu kickboxing school, and you talked about the owner Nate Ryan. I know Nate personally. Uh, I've trained there in the past, and Nate is an interesting guy because he's very unassuming. He's his he's very gentle mannered, and it you wouldn't guess by looking at him unless maybe you see the cauliflower in his ears that he's the deadliest guy in the room, right? He does not come across as the guy who's been doing jiu-jitsu for, for so long and, and is you know kind of a top-level, elite-level uh, jiu-jitsu guy. And you said something about Nate, that he runs his jiu-jitsu school and his kickboxing classes like you run your kitchen. And I'm wondering what you meant by that. Um, well, I think, uh, I think it's his leadership style is uh and his training style is like you said unassuming um and kind of gentle um i think that you know just because you have the knowledge um doesn't mean you have to you know be a jerk about it (laughs) um you know uh i think he treats everyone that walks into um into mass bjj with respect and um you know, it's very much like if I have a cook who's walking in here. Um, you know, I walked in to train jujitsu with uh, some karate background, but really knowing nothing about jujitsu kind of late in life. Like I'm, I'm in my 40s now, um, and that can be that can be intimidating, um, especially when you have you know black belts in their 20s, you know, that are training with you. Um, but I received nothing but respect there. And, um, that's something that I try to treat my cooks with, with respect as well. Um, you know, I might have the more cooking experience than them, but I find that I can learn just as much from a cook walking in here that I know nothing about, or one of my dishwashers, um, you know, as they can learn from me. And, uh, it's all about having an environment of respect and, um, you know, having a learning environment and, um, you know, a positive workplace or a positive place to train is very important. And um, I come from a lot of kitchens where I found that wasn't the case in my past. And um, it drove me out of a lot of kitchens. Like, like there was a ton to learn, but I don't need to learn that if people are going to be a jerk about it. <laughs> like it's life's too short. So Sure. Uh, so Lou usually has questions at the end of the show. I'm going to see if Lou has any questions for you because I know you're short on time and, and I'm extremely thankful because I know this is like a crazy busy day for you. I'm a little bit amazed you were even able to carve out time to come and join us today. So thank you. There's a little Thanksgiving right there. Thanks for coming on. Lou, do you have yeah. any questions before our, uh, for our guest before he has to get back into the kitchen? Yeah, I have a couple and hopefully they're quick. Uh, Brendan, you have the night off. And it's kind of unexpected, but the wife and kids are out. You have the house to yourself. You're not going to go out to a restaurant. You do have a little time to shop if you want to on the way home. What are you making for dinner? Oh, geez. Um, (laughs) My go-to, like, favorite thing to cook at home, which is fairly quick, and I usually have ingredients on hand, is uh, fresh pasta. So if I have some good flour and I have some eggs, Mm -hmm. uh, throw together some homemade pasta and roll out some parpadel or something and um you'll make the pasta you'll go home and make the pasta oh hell yeah yeah (laughs) yeah it's such a great skill to learn uh it's like you know you just need a couple eggs and some flour and uh, um 
watch a couple tutorials on on YouTube. It's like such a good skill to learn how to do, and it's so therapeutic. Um, and you know, it's just like the best thing. Like bread and butter, and um, you know, fresh pasta are probably my favorite foods. Um, that's where that's 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 like my comfort food. All right, at the restaurant, when you're putting a meal together, you talked about your fitness and your concerns, and I don't know if we lost Brendan or not. Uh, you talk about your fitness and your concerns, and when you put a meal together, does that play into the meal that you put together, or is it taste at all cost? Uh, depends on the depends on the circumstances. Um, on a daily basis, I try to eat healthy, so I might you know I might eat like some some protein like a piece of fish or chicken or something like that or even a steak sometimes and some vegetables or a salad um but sometimes i want to go all out and like do the seared foie gras and the roasted bone marrow and butter poached lobster and yeah. stuff like that it's easy to make things taste good with fat and salt um <laughs> but it's uh it's more important to get uh you know a var uh varied diet and um eat lots of vegetables and different types of things and um i'm really lucky because i i i am privileged to be able to do that i have a, a rest, restaurant full of really good ingredients so it's easy for me to eat healthy if i choose to it's also easy for me to eat very poorly and choose the dessert and choose the yeah. corn butter every day if I choose to. So it does require a little self-control. And I'll leave you with this one. Uh, a restaurant in Newburyport was actually a high-end diner <laughs> in Newburyport. Taught me what I want in restaurants and what I want from guys like you, because I would go in on a Saturday or Sunday morning, and they would have the regular breakfast fare, but there would always be a chef's menu. And the chef's menu would have regular breakfast with an ingredient or two that I never would have paired with all the stuff that was going on. It was just totally out there. And it didn't reshape the meal. It didn't make waffles different. It didn't make French toast different. It was just like, wow, I wouldn't have put that with that. But it always worked out great. How do you guys get those inspirations where there's this taste? That, like, for example, Thanksgiving. What could I throw into a Thanksgiving meal that would be totally different, but still would be, still would be interesting? How do you come up with those inspirations? Because the rest of us don't think that way. Oh, man. Um... I think it all comes down to like life experience and, um, you know, your cooking background and where you are. Um, my Thanksgiving go to is always a uh, spinach pie, which is was Spanakopita, mm. the yeah. dish. Um, that's like my holiday go to food because of the, you know, the Greeks and my family like pass that down. My mom is Irish as can be. Um, but I'm a mutt from Lowell. Like I come from a Greek family, an Irish family. Um, and my papu passed the, the Spanakopita recipe down to my mom. My mom makes the spinach pie every year. She already made it on Sunday. I swung by her house and picked some up. And, um, you know, that's, and that translates into uh, all the food that I cook. Like I might put a little Greek uh, flair in, in some like, you know, typical New England cuisine. Um, so I don't know. It's a it's a personal thing for for all different chefs. I think. Cool. Well, I know you have to get going. Uh, I really really appreciate you coming on today, and uh, you know th this has been great. Our guest today was Executive Chef Brendan Pelly from Gibbet Hill in Groton. Brendan, thank you so much. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Great to see you. Nice talking to you, and um, hope you all have a great holiday. You too. All right. Thank you. Thanks a lot. <laughs>